The Rough Drafts Podcast is sponsored by Unicorn.com, the world's premier eSport betting site. Log on today to bet on all your favorite eSports titles at the simple click of a button. Choose your game, choose your team, earn Unicorns, and who knows, maybe you'll earn enough to enter to win any number of fabulous prizes, such as Logitech peripherals or CSGO skins in their marketplace. Unicorn.com. Log on today. Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar. I am a free agent, head coach, and analyst, and welcome to the Rough Drafts Podcast League of Legends World Championship Finals Preview, brought to you by the lovely folks over at Slingshot Esports. It was an amazing experience being at Madison Square Garden last <laughs> week for the semifinals. We got to witness in person the greatest series that has ever been played in League of Legends history, according to Thorin and a lot of other people that are throwing that out there. I think we need time to digest it before we're willing to say that, but it is something that, as Thorin pointed out in his article today, we do need to digest. It is worthy of every bit of, you know, of just accolades and praise and, and just bit-by-bit analysis that we could possibly give it. And then also there was another series, I believe. I don't know. There, I, I think there was something else going on. I'm, see, I got really, really drunk <laughs> after that series happened. Um, so I'm not sure it, I'm not sure like anything actually happened on Saturday. I, um, I, as someone who was there with you at Walter's <laughs> Bar of all places, I can confirm that things did happen. Um, <laughs> none of which we're going to talk about on the podcast. Uh, but I am, I am being joined by my uh, good friend and co-host Walter Ciedi Svedchuk, recently uh, turned uh, b- birthday boy, 25. Walter Ciedi Svedchuk, how you doing, man? How does it feel to be 25? Is well, it, has your life changed uh, irreversibly as a result? You know, so so people like asked me on like Twitter and like Facebook because Skype does this thing where it's like, oh, it tells people when it's your birthday. Well, funny thing, like sometimes people lie about like when their <laughs> birthdays are when they fill out information. Like some of them made it before they were eighteen; they wanted to be eighteen. So like, so people ask me, I'm like, yes, no, I am actually old. Like I am a day older. You are correct. And uh, and fate and the gods uh, punished me today by going, oh, you think you're old, huh? Oh, you really think you're old. And uh, I reached over to pick up one of my, my kitten's cat toys to like distract her while I did something. And uh, I pulled a muscle in my back. So, yes, I, I truly felt uh, like an old man today. Cause, <laughs> man, and it was... Oh, that was that was some kind of pain I've never felt in my life, and I'm a TSM fan. <laughs> oh man, don't worry. TSM was apparently doing live and well at that tournament because people kept chanting their name the entire time. So apparently, according to NYC, uh, they were clearly I, ready to go. I am I am <laughs> the biggest unabashed. 
TSM fanboy on the planet. That's um, true. You... It's like out, outright like, dude, I was I was there for Rain Man. Yeah. I cried when they replaced Rain Man with Dyrus, tears of joy because I love Dyrus so much. I remember when they moved into their house in New York in New York. Um yeah. when they when they moved from California to New York. I know the name of that town. <laughs> like You're I'm the... an unabashed TSM fanboy. You are the Lazarus of TSM, except with less memes and more hate for Weldon. Like, that's basically <laughs> how this goes. Like, it, and, it's undeniable. As unabashed as I was, on day one, when the TSM chance started before the series, like, because I got there at 4 o'clock. Like, I got there when the doors opened, because I just didn't want to be around, like, rainy downtown New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, like, did the cheers. When Riot Quick, like, Quick Shot came out and they do, like, a crowd warm-up, he was like, hey, let's do that team chant. Everyone's doing TSM. Like, that's awesome. I was totally feeling it. I was totally down. Day two was literally the most miserable experience. Yeah. And just every time the fans did that, I was just shaking my head, angry and, like, frustrated that that was what we were doing. Like, we didn't... We weren't there. Like, yeah, do it pregame when it's funny, but like, once the game start, once the show starts, like, it's really, really annoying, yeah. and uh, it, it kind of like disappoints me that these are the kind of fans that I have to identify myself with. So, um, I'm not against booing. I booed Samsung. I'm not gonna lie. I, I booed Samsung because I wanted H2K to win. But like the TSM thing, like after the first time, it's kind of funny. The like sixth time, it's just really annoying. Yeah, it it was a joke that got run into the ground so hard so quickly, and it was at the worst times. And you know, I, I will say this: like Rocks SKT, the crowd got so behind that game and that series because, of course, they did. Like it was an amazing series. And I will say, I did love when Quickshot mentioned, you know, we've got the one EU team going tomorrow. How do you guys feel about that? Boo! Like that was great. It's like no love for the West. It, it, Quickshot had a great response of like, I love this part of my job. It's the only time I want to get booed in my entire life. And I, you know, and I will say, um, I, I'm going to give a shout out. I forget who the caster was, but there was someone during game three when people finally started cheering for H2K again, where they said, oh, look, the crowd's evolving. Because up until that point, the TSM chants had been the loudest thing we'd heard all day. <laughs> and, I, you know, I, I think a lot of that has to do with the I fact think the that... Lo- I, I think the loudest thing, though, was the peanut chant after the oh, SKT series. Let, let's be clear. I think that was the loudest chant out of, out of anything that was in the, all seriousness. That was the best moment of the entire... I mean, well, okay, let me be clear. Outside of the actual games being played, that peanut chant was my that best moment. I was right there. I was in that section where he was coming out. Um, so I was, you know, watching him come off the stage towards the locker room. And, you know, the rest of his team had gone forward. I feel bad for the rest of Rocks. I just want to say, like, everyone chanted Peanut's name the entire time. It's not like Prey, who had had an amazing series, or Smev, who played very well, or, you know, any of those guys. No, no, no. Who, who cheers for them? We're just cheering for Peanut. But but to be fair, Peanut is one of the most fun players to watch. His player cam, you saw him doing his little fist pumps and whatever. <laughs> like you could even just see at the stadium how happy he was when things went well. Yeah. And he just starts crying after this loss. And it's the exact kind of like heartbreaking passion for the game that you and I have so much respect for. You know, when we look at players that we love to cheer for. And so I was, you know, I was standing there when everyone gave him that standing ovation in that corner and in the whole stadium, really. Peanut, peanut, and you could just tell he just got this smile on his face, 
and he gave us the peace signs and he did a little bow and you know you could just tell like everything sucked and then we gave him a little moment and that meant something and in every interview he's had since he just you know he's talked about how much that moment meant and that moment like that hit me as a fan you know as someone like that's something that I can only remember happening when some of the greatest Falcons in the world were about <laughs> to retire. Like, like when Tony Gonzalez retired, like that's, that's the kind of moment that it was where it's just, you know, thank you for everything you've done. <laughs> thank you for allowing us to watch you, you know, and, and that, I mean, that was incredible. I mean, was, were there other, what were the other memorable moments to you? I, I think the fan panic when misfortune got locked in a game two was great. When, when every single person who I, I, I was in the bathroom. Oh my I, god! I was getting like food. I was like in the bathroom, and then I went to go grab food, and I heard this just what from the crowd, and heard someone say misfortune, and I went what? And I had to look up at the screen because I'm in front of like the concession stand, and they had the screens above the concession stand, and I had to look at it and go, that's really a goddamn misfortune. Like, are you kidding me? Like, are you kidding me? This is out of nowhere. And I'm like, okay, is it midnight? And like, it turns out to be support misfortune. And I just was like, well, uh, it's been pretty boring in terms of like picks, like in terms of champion diversity. It's been a really, really boring tournament. Like the the people I was with afterwards were like, God, I hope we don't have to see Ash eighty carry again. Oh God, I hope I don't have to see you know Lee Sin Jungle again. Like all these things. And I was like. <laughs> Yeah, right. Welcome to competitive League of Legends. Like, uh, yeah, the the misfortune was really cool. Um, yeah, just, I think my sorry. one of my favorite moments is day one. Mm-hmm. I was, and I'll, I'll pull up a picture. I was ten rows back. Yeah. from SKT's side, I was close enough that I could see what champion Faker was uh, was warming up with. I was close enough that me and my best friend Ryan, we were discussing how Faker doesn't necessarily use quick casting about how he has like the range indicators on. Yeah. So he's, he like, I don't, I don't know how that works. Cause I just play quick casts. I don't try to do any of that, mm-hmm. but it does seem like he has the, like it almost was like normal casting where he does, he clicks it, he does the range indicator and then he, you know, clicks his mouse or something. Um, it was just like really interesting being that, that close and getting to see all of that. Um, and just, I was, I was on SKT side. Like that was, that was really neat. Um, other thing was just like how serious SKT was. Oh yeah. Versus how like all the rocks players are like, oh, I'm gonna do this little wave thing. Like, oh, hey guys, like what's up? And everyone on SKT, even Faker, when he raises his hand, is like a dictator. Like, yeah. Yep. Hello. I, mean, I am. I am Faker. Yes. Hello. I will, I will give them this. They celebrated more after their victory than Samsung did. Samsung acted like, why did you throw these peasants in front of me? <laughs> like, what, is, what, what do you mean I had to play a Western team in the semifinals? What is this garbage? Like, they, there was no celebration. There were no smiles. Like, it was just, you know, it, it was exactly what TSM used to do back in the day when they would win the North American LCS. It's like, look, winning North America means nothing. Let's go do something internationally. <laughs> uh, and and it, was, it would always frustrate me then, and it frustrated me with Samsung. Samsung's done a really good job of becoming the villains, which is a problem because now you have to twist it and make them the underdogs, which I am looking forward to seeing how Riot's preview packages handle Samsung, that. Samsung has only been the villains because they've played against two Western teams. <laughs> like, I, don't, I think when you look at both of these teams, SKT are the villains. I mean, SKT are the are the evil dojo, break his leg like 
from Karate Kid. Like, they aren't the good guys here. They're the bad guys. They're the evil empire that these, like, that Smeb and the unsung rebels of rocks were trying to defeat. And then it was like, oh, oh, you beat us. You beat us. Oh, secret weapon. We just destroyed half your fleet. And Maggie's Nidalee is like, what? I mean, I, l- let's be clear, SKT though. are the villains. Samson are not the villains he, here. Well, here's the difference, right? SKT are villains because it's like the Patriots back in 2001 where it's like they're going to win three championships in four years and that's just not fun unless you're a fan of that team. But, you know, you interview them. They say nothing but nice things. They're very respectful. They're very, you know, someone even said, I I believe it was uh, Supergate on Twitter mentioned that like, I wish that they were more in your face and they said more harsh negative things because it would make it more fun to root against them. But instead, Faker's just like a genuinely decent dude, and that's frustrating. Whereas Samsung, I was a little, was a little hungry, so I had a chocolate bar, and it was okay. This is like after Game Four, and talking about the mentality of a long series. Yeah. Like, he he just he doesn't give you anything. Meanwhile, Core JJ says things like this uh, when asked how they were able to win the bot lane. Quote: I think it's because we're straight up better. As I played, I felt there was a clear gap in skill. I remember Forgiven saying we should play the game in 2v2, but I think we played against a 2v3 and it wasn't that tough. Close quote. That's the difference. They, when Samsung has gone out in every interview, they have been, we are going to conquer these guys. We're going to destroy them. We're going to be, you know, they don't stand a chance against us. And, and, that's, and that's what the villain does. If you look at the villain, like WWE, which is the storyline thing we go to all the time, because that's what Riot's doing, right? They're doing promo videos just like professional <laughs> wrestling. They've been heels every single package, and now we need them to try to turn face. Because you can't just say, we're hoping that SKT wins again. So, so the skin team has to make another six SKT skins, and probably one for Koma at this point. I mean, Coma's not getting a skin. That's, that's not that's not happening. Three, no, three championships. He doesn't play. I'm sorry. I don't care. He's not the one physically playing the game. I don't care if they can scientifically attribute that 100, 99.9% of SKT's success is Kakoma. He's not going playing on the Rift. I'm really getting sick of this like overcrediting coaches when they are not the ones that are playing. Uh, Granted, they are there for a reason. They they have their their place. Man. But at the end of the day, they have to take their headset off and go backstage and watch their five players Stop. win the game. This is one of my this is one of the reasons I hate Weldon so much. This is one of the reasons that I I, I just don't like this thing that a coach is necessarily equal to the players. I, I don't like it. It's not true. That's I, well, not a I will say this. I, you know, LS made a quote one time where he said that he thought pick and ban and, you know, coaching to a certain extent was, you know, representative of about 20% of the game. And I thought that's, if 20% of the game, that puts each individual player at less than 20%. I think the coach is making an impact at that point. And I, but I don't, the coach and, doesn't have the the final say so in every pick and ban decision. That is a team effort. Well, they even sh- in Korea, that's in a team effort. Mm, that's not a one hundred percent coach effort. It's pretty much a hundred percent coach effort in Korea. From everything that I've heard from all the Korean experts, Koma, you look at the guys who run the Samsung org. There's a reason that Samsung's back, and there's a reason that they scout as well as they do, and there's a reason they've been good at every esport they've ever tried to be a part of. Like infrastructure matters, coaching matters. Well, you know what? We can go into this in further depth when we get to the Q&A. That's not really what we're here to talk about now. Uh, but, you know, it, I guess I'll say this, Walter. You know, as, given all of this, 
what, should we go again? Would you recommend to our listeners at home, you know, to go see these games live? This I knew this question was going to happen. And this is something that I've I've been wrestling with myself because I've been trying to compare it to like a regular sporting event. And I go to regular sporting events. I love going to Syracuse Orangeman games. I love going to you know those football games. I love going to like local random stuff. Like I went to two local soccer club matches here in New York in Rochester. Like I enjoy going to sporting events. And part of my problem is the SKT Rock Series was just as good as any sporting event that I've ever been to. Yeah. The crowd was engaged. It was awesome. There was chanting. There was cheering. It was exciting. It was fun. Um, H2K versus Samsung was not. H2K versus Samsung was a pitcher's duel. It was a, uh, you know, three to you know six to three nfl game in the snow it was not saturday was not fun i mean you didn't enjoy the flashlight vigil that we held for the western hopes after game two i sat there going what the hell is this oh i loved it people had all their phones out i couldn't figure out what you guys were doing press f to pray respects for the western hope that's what that was and i i will say this it was clever um, I laughed at it afterwards. I still have pictures of it on my phone. Maybe I'll tweet one out for people that didn't Her- see it because it was during the break. But like, that that just tells you the crowd was depressed. It was like a funeral rather what, than what? a sporting event. Here, here's the and thing. That's though. a problem. I mean, they were and, booing and, flash photography. Like they literally said no flash photography, and they got booed for bringing that up. That's I, where the crowd was. At, at a normal sporting event, though, in that circumstance, in that like zero zero pitchers duel, the, there's still an atmosphere to going to it. There's still like something enjoyable about going to the ballpark and eating peanuts and hot dogs. And just because nobody's scoring and it's a boring game, there's this like innate there's this innate enjoyability either it's a callback to like your childhood when you would go it reminds you of like oh yeah this was a bad game but you know last time i was here i watched what's his face you know hit a 400 foot home run like there's stuff that goes on in between the innings there's the stupid like you know in in washington at nationals park they have like a stupid presidential race where in the seventh inning stretch like oh we're gonna get these guys in costumes go do stuff there wasn't any of that and this hasn't been the first esports event that I've been to. I was at IEM San Jose, and like, they had stuff. Like, that's a vendor show for for Intel. Like, they have stuff. They have like booths that you can go down to and check out. You, I didn't hear anything about any type of meet and greets with anyone, whether it's fans, whether it's casters, whether it's talents. I think there was the, the rift walk before the event. If you got there, there was the rift walk, before. but that wasn't there that was someplace else and maybe like maybe this weekend in la it'll be different because they're setting up la live with like a huge like festival and i'm gonna be watching that on friday night purely for at like the end of it they're gonna do like music of league of legends with an orchestra and a bunch of different artists and stuff like that i can't wait to watch i'll probably be watching that while zed is playing his awful song during the opening (laughs) ceremony saturday no i hate the song i know i know you do it's but like if you ask me was it worth it if I know I'm going to get Rocks versus SKT, it was 100% worth it. Right. Anything less than that, I don't know. I, mean, like, I, I honestly can't justify saying, like, for, for the price, it was it was perfectly priced, honestly. Like, I thought the pricing of the tickets was fine. Yeah. MSG's a great venue. Like, it's amazing. I, I didn't have any problem with that. Yeah. 
it was just I don't I don't know. Blowouts, I don't know if I actually go again. That's that's the problem. Here's the problem. Blowouts are not fun. But what's less fun is that it, it's a prolonged blowout. Because you watch a team lose, and we knew after game one, if you're an analyst, if you really understood it, you saw the draft in game one, you saw what they did, you knew the series was over after game one. And you have to spend the next two plus hours knowing that this team doesn't stand a chance to win the series. Just yeah. hoping maybe they win a game to make it interesting. And that's just not fun. You know, it's it's not a pitcher's duel. It's a, you know, a team's up 21, you know, 28 nothing at halftime. And you're like, well, I guess technically they could come back. But what we're really going to see is we're going to see one team go into prevent defense and the other team's going to rack all up those some... those plays you know, in sports are, are entertaining to watch. <laughs> what Samson was doing was not... When you have no skin in the game. Blowouts are not fun to watch. It is not fun to watch a team go up 35 to 10 when you I, don't have, when you're not rooting for either team. That's, that's when you fair. turn it off and you start watching the red zone or whatever else. And that's what happened here. That's, and that's you know, and unfortunately it happened to the western team, so people were even more turned off. But it's uh yeah, I, I mean I I didn't think Riot did enough around it. Like mm-hmm. honestly, what was the difference of me going to New York? And, and, like, yeah, being around that many people is awesome, but I could have a very similar experience to that, staying at home and inviting, you know, five or ten of my friends over, cramming them into my living room, and doing the same thing, watching it on my TV. There was no added benefit to me of physically being there, other than that energy in that Rocks SKT, which, like you said, is one of the best series of all time. Like, mm-hmm. You're not going to get that every time you go to an event like this. It's just not going to happen. That's pro- you're probably not going to get that going to the finals in LA. Yeah. I don't think you're going to get that. I don't like, think you will either. I, it it hasn't without, convinced me to want to go to like any of the LCS games. And, and God forbid, you know, you only got tickets for one of the two semifinals, and you know, we didn't know what the matchups were, right? Let's <laughs> Someone behind me had only tickets for the second yeah. day. Well, of course, you have no idea who's going to be in which day. You have no idea what the bracket's going to look like. You know, we we didn't know that SKT and Rocks were going to be, you know, one seats when we bought those tickets. Let alone that they were going to be matched up on the same side or whatever else was going on like we don't know when you have to buy the tickets and that's the part that hurts at least when you go to an event like i am you know exactly who's playing you know what to expect if something surprises you awesome but you you know what you're getting Mm -hmm. um you even know what you're getting in the group stage by the you know maybe you know by the time that you're buying tickets you usually have a you know a good good base of knowledge um but and you, you kind of have to gamble here and that's okay i mean i went with my cousins so for me it was absolutely worth it i got to celebrate your birthday i'm yeah, like, you know absolutely the, the was added, worth it. like that added part was like awesome but like if you just said like would i go alone in, in, in two not. months let's say like yeah. hey the the wild card tournament will be at madison square garden there wasn't a riot didn't add enough to just the games for no. me to be like yeah that's worth it going and like, they, that that they was did that not was like the, the crowd well. The, the swag handouts were terrible because they didn't have any of like the the shirt guns or whatever. So it was literally, are you in the first five rows? Uh, then congratulations, you might get something. Yeah, it, it was it was not handled well. But you know, I I still I mean, let me put it this way: uh, I get to say that I was at potentially the best League of Legends series yeah. of all time now live. So yes. I don't regret it. Um, and mm-hmm. hey, we got to meet two awesome fans, which I'm just going to give <laughs> shout outs to now. Uh, at Patriots six four nine, that David, 
Uh, we got to take, uh, meet and take a picture with him. Shout out to you, man. Thank you so much. Uh, it was really nice. We got to meet you and some of your family, which was kind of cool. And uh, PK Tadix, I believe is how you say that, uh, aka DM Top Hat in the Twitch chat. If you uh, you see him, I've already seen him bouncing around earlier today, so uh, I know he's here listening. Thank you so much. It was really awesome to meet you. We've got good fans. That's really what it came down to. Like we've got good fans. You know, we got to meet you know some friends of the podcast. Uh, you know, Joe uh, Ragazzano, who runs uh, who runs Slingshot. You know, we had. Uh, you know, we got to meet Colin and uh, Colin and Amanda and Andrew Kim and a, a few other people. Uh, Lazarus, I, you got I, to I meet Lazarus. To, I have to tell this story. So, so Thursday night, can, um, can, my... we, can we save it for the Q and A? Because we're gonna get sure, long. Sure, sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll save that for your Q and A because I, I thought it was. Yeah, if, if you want to know anything about the people that we uh, that we met there, uh, we're gonna have a Q and A at the end of this. We'll we'll talk to you about it then. But we got to move on because we're 24 minutes in and we haven't even started talking about. <laughs> Samsung versus H2K, uh, mostly because we don't want to. Uh, so, which I think, like, what's what is there to talk about? Like, I, I mean, um, I know you have this nice little outline that we're gonna go over and try to talk through it, but like, I, I did. Well, I mean, let's start here. Uh, I mean, someone pointed it out in chat. You know, when I mentioned the whole Samsung looking bored when they won, they're like, "Yeah, they were playing the West. It's Korea." I mean. Are we here? Is this is this where we are, or we should just say, "Oh, it's a Western team versus a Korean in a best of five that matters." Just pencil in the three zero and go on. I think with their it's. Lives? I think it's just. I think it's just a Korean team versus anyone. I I this tournament has honestly proven to me that I don't know what it is. I maybe it's something genetic. Weldon, congratulations! I don't know what it is. Koreans are just better at League of Legends than us. I know maybe it is. it's all infrastructure, maybe it's all coaching. Yeah. I'm 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 done trying to consider it. I'm done trying to think about it. The world championship is gonna hold very, very little meaning to me. And I'm going to be more interested now in what Riot does to increase League of Legends in the West. Because quite frankly, as a Western fan, it sucks. To watch the world championship uh magic art used fly did a video like a personal vlog like discussing like why does anyone care anymore when all this stuff happens when like north america sucks and europe sucks and no one can challenge the koreans and like it's all disappointing and it just makes us all angry at each other yeah. like china pays hundreds of thousands of dollars per player yeah. just to get one win instead of zero in these series i mean um, I, yeah albus knox luna was like a great story that was so so cool, so entertaining to see one of these. Like, until a Western team actually gets to the finals and actually, like, really challenges a Korean team, I don't care about international play anymore. I don't. It's it's a foregone conclusion in my mind, and I just... I can't care, and I don't think Riot can care if they want it to stay relevant in the U.S. and in, in Europe. Like, they need to start catering to that audience and understanding that they're going to make their money off of these people during the LCS, and they need to start going out of their way to making the LCS just as good as the NBA and the NFL. I like, mean, they need to stop giving a crap about the World Championship, in my opinion. Uh, that's You can't do that. That's their big... I, you can't do that, That's their big but, uh, headline they have every year of how many concurrent viewers they have. Last year was 43 million. This year, it's going to be... It'll be down this year. I no, say. it'll be down this year. I bet you money it'll be down. 
it'll be down like per, the, maybe the actual number will be higher but yeah. like the percentage growth will not be as oh, high as it was. the percentage growth i mean you can't keep growing at the rate it was growing but the number will be higher and it's because china and korea care a lot more about this than you think they do and that's the thing like we as westerners we get very zoned in on like oh but what if you know we stop caring you know the, what, what if europe and north america stop caring as much Guess what? Uh, League of Legends will be just fine because China invests all of the money into it, and Korean fans are rabid about this whole game, and they're gonna they they could prop it up on their own. I mean, I that, call that's bullshit on that. I call bullshit on you, that. Look at the viewer. Look at the the player base that comes in from China. The view numbers that come in from China compared to everyone else by proportion of fan base. It's insane. It's and 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 look, I'm not saying that at the end of the day that's a good move. I think you have to care about the West if only because, you know, you know, you need to make sure that every fan base feels like they have a chance to root for something. It does, you know, promote sales. It does do all these nice things, you know, within the local markets. But let, let's be real here. Crossfire is making, you know, money hand over fist and they don't have a single Western player. Like you can succeed as a game without the West and Korean interest and Chinese interest has only increased, not decreased. Uh, and because China's the watching is, and they're like, look, this is the player that we're going to offer a million dollars to you to play for us next year. So let's get excited about him. Like, I'm just going to say StarCraft. I'm, I'm going to cut you off and say StarCraft. Sure. StarCraft. Look, if, if, League of Legends was built for the Western audience. And if you lose the Western audience, the game will die. If League of Legends manages to last as many years as StarCraft did, they should be happy. That was that was ten plus years of being the most you know, one of the most relevant games in the world, and if you go back to Brood War, which was essentially you know it all continued to itself, it was sixteen years of the pro league and everything. Else. I mean, it, that that would be fine. League of Legends I'm, would be happy with that. I, I'm look, I'm just that, saying I don't give a I don't care about international competition anymore because to me it's just turned into a complete foregone conclusion, that, and I don't fine. care. I don't but, want to watch Korea anymore. But, like, but you're saying that about you're saying that as a North American. And and first and second of all, I don't know why the international tournaments being born would make you say, I don't want to watch the LCK anymore because the LCK is only getting better and better. Um, I'm my investment in the LCK is purely for the international competitions for understanding that. Like I don't, I don't care anymore. I don't care what Korea does to themselves. Like I care about the growth of it in in the in my regions and with my teams yeah. and well, with the people that are. Let's be honest. Jacob Wolf doesn't write an article that the second best team in Korea, the team that won the summer split, might be disbanding because they can't find sponsors if the Korean League of Legends scene is perfectly okay. Let's let's be real about that. Well, it's that they don't have to spend money on it. Why would they? The players will keep coming in. That's that's the difference. Is and that, that they, isn't it something inherently wrong with the system? I'm not saying the system's perfect. I'm just saying we're looking at we're we're going off rails as far as the problems we're talking about. Um, and when you look at H2K, you know, getting back on track a little bit, the problems here were, you know, just as much about macro play, micro play, drafting. I mean, just pretty much everything went wrong. Let, let's talk about the drafts first. Uh, as the high priest of the Church of God given, how did you feel about Sivir all three games? <sighs> uh, I've been waiting to ask that question since the beginning of this podcast. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing, probably. I, I don't I don't know what you're doing. I you you're you lost me. You're done. 
you guys weren't being successful with Kennen and Rumble. You weren't being successful with like team fighting oriented top laners. You were really successful with Odawamne playing carries. And like that's fine to play Sivir if you have a carry from your top lane. But Ryu was getting dicked on. Ryu was playing like crap all three games. Like the, after the first two games, when Ryu was playing like crap, and you're like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna put we're gonna put uh, Odoamne on like team fight champions," you can't play Sivir. You have to go into third game going. Neither our our primary carry is not carrying, and I want to keep playing Odoamne on champions that he's good at but aren't high impact. Yeah. Like. I don't know what the hell probably was doing that series. Every everything that I was so like, oh, he did great against the two the two EDG games in week two. He did amazing as Albus Knox Luna. That all got thrown out the window, and I don't know who that was on stage because that was not the probably that we've come to grow. You know, know yeah. as a coach, Look, that was absolutely not him. It, so I don't know what the hell happened. It was abysmal, but I, I think I know what happened. I think they were scared. I think this is what you do when you are afraid that, and you believe from the bottom of your heart that the other team is better than you. You just draft things that are safe. Sivir is really safe, and, and it's hard to kill in lane. She's got the spell shield, and all you have to do is last until the 40, 50-minute mark, and then you can win team fights. You know, Kennen's not going to get bullied out of lane that hard. Rumble is not going to get bullied out of lane that hard. You know, they, they just picked all of these things. And, and, and that, to me, was the most disappointing part of all of this. You look at Game 2 as the perfect example. Oduwamne played three Jace games against Albus Nox Luna. He destroyed in all three of those games. Guy was dominant, absolutely dominant on the champion. It is available all the way through the draft against Samsung Galaxy, and he refused to pick it. And instead, they gave it over to Cuvee, who went 8-5-5, sorry, excuse me, 8 5 and 5 and had much more of an impact as far as split pushing than can be put down in simple stats. It was it was incredible. They were just scared. That that is just pure. I am scared. Veteran and probably really screwed the pooch. Yeah, and I, not, and not to mention, how do you give Crown the best victor in the world, victor twice? Like everyone knows, every Korean team. You go back, look at the LCK. They will ban victor every single time. You look at what happened last week. Banned Victor. You want to know why? Because he's the best Victor in the world. And you want to know what happened? He absolutely styled on Ryu every single time he got it. And the one time he didn't, Ryu you know, first picked Rise because for whatever reason, they're just convinced that that's the most powerful thing on the board. They gave away basically everything and gave Crown the counter pick, which is the Cassiopeia that he's really, really good at. And that you were, you know... Again, it's it's been banned against him in the past for this very reason. I, I don't get it. I, I don't get what they were trying to accomplish outside of just, we are going to play... I don't think play. you can afford to ban Victor outside, but HUK's bans were so awful anyways well, that it like, didn't matter. I was going to say, you, you can't afford it, and yet you banned Ash and Jin in Game 3, and you banned Jin and Poppy in Game 1. Uh, I... I don't. I don't know, man. That, that's what I mean. I. I don't know who the two people were in charge of HGK this weekend because, like, it makes no sense. What they did made absolutely no freaking sense to me at all. Yeah. And look, I can't. I can't even begin to look at this and go, okay, what are you trying to get at here? Like, Kuve wasn't like styling on Poppy. Like, yeah, Poppy's a decent, like, a pretty good champion right now. If you get rid of like Jace and Kennen, like, yeah. I'm totally okay with that. But at the same time, like. 
That's not worth a ban. And the gym... Forgiven was playing it. He was practicing it. But whether... I, I just don't know. I, I have no clue what H2K was thinking in their pick and bet. How about this? Absolutely not. He's, he's a really good Ezreal. Ezreal was one of the four most picked AD carries going into this week. I don't get it. Ash was available for some of these games. His Ash is really good. There was a game, I think it was game two, where he, you know, he's going up against the Jin. The Ash is open. Ash does very well against Jin just because of, you know, the ability to clear early on and minimizing some of Jin's early laning potential. Why the hell didn't he play Ash? We've seen him play Ash at this tournament. We've seen him win with Ash at this tournament. We saw him bring out Lucian three times in this tournament. It, to me, it, it's unacceptable, is, is what it is, more than anything else. And, you know, look, game three, they rolled over and died. There's a reason we held the funeral procession after game two. We knew they were going to do it. It, it, was, it was such a disgraceful loss. I, I, you know, and, and for the record, Yardi0010 uh, in chat, he's saying, I don't think God Given is afraid. I don't think he's the one who was afraid. I think the org was afraid. I think the team was afraid. I think that if you look at their pick and ban, not just with him, but with every single lane that they drafted, they went super safe. They missed very obvious target bans that you have to make. And, and they did silly things like let uh, Nidalee through in game one, which, let's be clear, Ambition played terribly on it, and we're going to get yeah, to that, that side of things in a second. No, that was, that, yeah, no. but, but look, just because Ambition played badly, you can't results-based analysis is faulty to a certain extent. When you're looking at pick and ban, it should be the process. And the process says, what in the world is Nidalee worth that they got? They got Zyra and they got Olaf. And yes, Olaf ended up being really great, but we just saw the Ash-Misfortune combo go off. And that also didn't work because Samsung played it terribly. But in theory, that should have been devastating. And that's not... That's not a good pick and ban. Yeah, Sam, Samsung only won because they had a split push echo that H2K could do nothing against. Yeah, well, and, and that's something that, I mean, it leads us to our final question. What's next for H2K? Like, I, I mean, obviously Forgiven is now leaving for military service unless he changes his mind on that. He seems, this is something that he said, you know, he understands he can get out of it, but he f believes he has a patriotic duty to do it. I don't. I don't see what he has left to prove now that he's made it to the final four on a world stage and he beat Deft and On and some other great eighty carries in lane. Like I, I, I think he probably follows through with it. So what does this team look like? I mean, outside of Yankos, who played out of his mind, by the way. Absolutely incredible performance by him. I d I don't you know, we short we are shortchanging everyone else on this team because he was basically the only guy who had a good series. And he played out of his mind and did his very best. He truly did. Um, and as a Rockat fan, it made my heart warm. But outside of him, I mean, what do you do if you own H2K? Sell ownership to... Oh, wait, they just had a big investor come in at the beginning of the summer split. Yeah. Um, <laughs> They're fine on money. I, I knew bot lane. Vander, Vander looks horrendous this entire tournament. Yeah. Even into the playoffs, he looked awful. Yeah. I think you need a new bot lane. Um, if Forgiven wants to stay and, and figures out how to stay out of out of service, you, you might you might try and go with him. You might see Freeze come back. Um, yeah. I just I it's probably a new bot lane. I don't think you get rid of Ryu or Odoamne or Yankos. I think you keep them if they want to stay. 
um, Ryu might consider retiring. I yeah, I was gonna say I don't think Ryu is gonna stay. I, I think that that it's, event it's like too much up in the air. Like he he just looked defeated. Like if you just saw his face after these games, it wasn't even that he was mad. He just seemed like lost and empty and like. He didn't know why he was here he, anymore, and terribly, he he was bad. He was so awful. And and the he was thing the is, worst player on that team. And he, it, he was worse than Vander, in my opinion. He was. He he played absolutely terribly in every single one of those matches. And I understand that you gave Crown Victor twice, but that that's supposed to be because Ryu believes he's going to match it. He got Rise twice. This was his power pick. This was the thing that they thought was going to carry they them to victory. Rise and Cassiopeia, his two best champions in the past. Three months, like yeah, and he looked like crap. And and you know, I understand Vladimir's fallen out of favor. I understand that there are some things that he looked good in the group stage that don't necessarily look good now. But I mean, geez, I, against Crown, you know, at least if you you know you could hit W and avoid the massive laser damage, since you're not going to dodge it apparently. So I I don't know, man. It it just t- to me, Ryu looked done. And and maybe something happens this offseason and he changes his mind, but this is an organization that I'm worried about because despite reaching the top four, this feels a lot more like a potential origin situation than it does, or even a potential fanatic situation. Like, they got to the semifinals, but they got there because it was a weaker bracket and a weaker group that involved another team collapsing, and they, you know, now have this team of guys where... You know, at least, you know, one of them's going to be gone. There's no way all five come back. You know, e- even if they do, it just doesn't feel like they're meshing as a unit in the way that they need to. I, I think the text you sent me uh, was that, you know, H2K are like rabid dogs. They chase kills just for the sake of chasing kills. Yeah. And that's not going to work at, in, in the long run. And, and when you have that kind of breakdown and, you know, micro play i mean that that's a problem and and look you know i mean that might work in it that might work in the west which is is what it comes down to is well, i maybe. i think teams need to just focus on they need to focus on building their brands h2k did really really good job in terms of like media content in terms of content during this in terms of building up their brand they did. the h2k the h2 what chant was huge their yeah. social media team was awesome like mm-hmm. they did a really good job building their brand yeah. and i think western teams really need to take a very very cold hard look at the reality of things and go what is more important what's going to be better for the long-term sustainability of our org and if it goes towards franchising i think i think western teams are basically going to give up on the world championship and just go all in on trying to get their slice of the market in terms of fan base sure like that that that's when i say i don't care about international league of legends anymore that's what i mean is like what 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 do you do? Do you have to go spend enough money to import an entire Korean coaching staff and two Korean players? Like at that point, that's not a North American team to me. That's not fun. I don't want to watch TSM coached by Rapid Star. Okay, never mind. I do yeah, I because I want to win. No, yeah. But like, if Nofei wanted to sign with TSM, you'd be pretty okay with that. I'm t- right, but like, it's not just one coach. Like Reaper was a Korean coaching Cloud Nine. One Korean coach is not going to do it. You have to bring in the entire infrastructure and everything. It's like going back to what I said about fixing TSM. If you really want to win a world championship, you better buy the second best team in the world to turn your team into the best team in the world. 
I don't think any North American organization is going to be willing to make that kind of sacrifice. So if you're not willing to do that or you're not going to spend the money to do that because it's not financially feasible for the long longevity of your org, you need to just realize you're never going to win a world championship. Go for the money. Go for the fan base. Go for all of that. Like, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to be a little less doom and gloom than you because I think that Shulk's, you know, basically a pro day is what they had. Um, was actually a really good event that was run well, and I think that more events like that could help yeah. foster some some increased challenger talent. And? and and I think that what Sam what what Korean teams do is replicable. You don't need to have Koreans to do it. What you need to have is someone who has been there and has experienced it, and you need to have the players believe in it. And the problem we have is that there are a lot of Western players right now who aren't willing to put the time and effort and everything into into making it work. And that's what has to change. It's an attitude adjustment rather than a, we just need to turn it into Korea 2 or Korea 3. I don't think that's going to work because I think, like you said, that kills the brand. And the brand is going to matter so much in the West. Um, but, you know, I, I think we're waiting to see, you know, can North America, yeah, North America is going to have events like what Schalk and, and PSG are doing, uh, the Riot Scouting Grounds. I mean... Whoever does it, it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, it's uh, it, it's a matter of you need to do more of those kind of events, and you need to get players who are willing to, you know, do whatever it takes. Koreans manage to do it while making a lot less money than most regions in the world because they care that much more. And until we say that about North American and European players, that's going to be the bigger problem than we just need to make Korea two or Korea three. Um, but before I close this out. It, it, it's really hard if you are, um, you know, looking at this series uh, mm -hmm. to, to say, like, well, did Samsung fix things? Are they, you know, ready to go after this series? But, you know, if, I mean, it was one nope. mixed game and two stomps, essentially. But, I mean, wh where do you land on them, you know? On no. A, on a scale nope. of, just no? No, no, SKT's 3-1-ing this we haven't even SKT's, gotten to that part of the podcast. I, 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 don't, just, I don't care. Let's, let's Samsung, has, Samsung played really well against two teams that obviously were not close enough to them in preparation and skill. I'll be yeah. completely honest with that. They didn't do anything, though, in those series right. that made me think, yeah, this is definitely a team that's going to go take something off of SKT. Like, right. they're not at all. They played very safe. They played very laid back. Ambition, who is a Middle League god, had one of the worst Middle League games of the entire tournament. Let us yeah. not joke. He played awful. Core so JJ looks awful in laning phase, despite the cheese misfortune pick that they pulled off that I guarantee was Core JJ's pick. I guarantee Rox and Samson scrimmed, and that was something Core JJ came up with as a counterpick to Zyra, and Gorilla was like, holy crap, that's really strong. Let's, like... There's no way that was a gorilla like. Uh, I don't gorilla's know. Gorilla's not that kind of play. He's been. He's known to be an innovator in the past. With picks like that. If you look at the LCK, he was some of the first adapters to a lot of the newer support stuff. I disagree with you. Not misfortune support. A new support champion, sure. Not going out of his way to be like, hmm, this is an Edward dude. This is an Edward who's like, let's see if support Gragas can be a thing or support a Mumu. Like, I, I think he's closer than you think. He's, that's been Rock's thing forever, and I, we're going to get to that in a bit, but they like to innovate. They like to do weird things. I think Gorilla has been a big part of that, a bigger part than maybe you're giving him credit for. But I also, you know, I watched the LCK a little bit more closely during the year. For, I for me, I, I, 
I mean, I, I I agree with everything you said though from a from a player perspective. I thought Ruler had a bad series as a general yep. rule. Um, I I know that his gin and in game two worked out well. Uh, game three he wasn't really relevant. Um, but the game one, the Asheros were terrible. I mean, those were just bad. Those were just bad, bad, bad. That was yeah. Bad. That was and, pretty horrendous. You know, and and you're right. Core JJ has mechanical mistakes. Uh, when you ban away Crown's Victor, I'm concerned. Uh, I, I think that Ambition showed that he's got some nerves to worry about. I think he was out-jungled in all three of these games, uh, with the exception of yep. maybe Game 3, but that was because H2K was basically done. Y- Yankos out-jungled him at every point. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm it, not even going to give him Game 3. Yeah, if, if anything, Game 3 was like even. But There are people now saying that Yankos is one of the three best junglers in the world, which I, I, I think... <laughs> I, I saw that go around. I saw people say uh, Peanut 1, Score 2, Yankos 3. I saw that list. You, tw- if you're on Twitter, you have seen some Twitter analysts put up that list. I don't agree with it. I think people are completely overreacting. Y'all are insane. Y'all are insane, man. Look, it's, but but look, this is these are the same people that say that Clearlove is the worst jungler ever because, you know, despite being a <laughs> national god, he's failed internationally. Like, Samples is the worst. Samples. I'm not saying you. Uh, you're not the person I'm talking to here. I've seen people say much <laughs> harsher things than you have said about Clear Love on this podcast, which goes to tell you how you know how rough people are on Clear Love. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, yeah, I don't feel good about Samsung. I don't. They didn't do anything in the series that makes me feel good about what's going on next. But you know what? I do feel good about what we're going to talk about next, and that's SKT versus Rockstar. The series is so good. The series was so good. It, the series was so amazing. It, this was that bottle of, of brandy your dad's been saving like in the basement for like 30 years for your first child. And you're sitting there in the hospital and like you're in the waiting room just waiting. And, uh, and your dad's like, come here. And he takes you into the chapel and he pulls out this bottle and two shot glasses and he pours them and he gives you the book of dad jokes mm-hmm. and the greatest advice that you're ever going to need as a father. And you'd never tell it that until your first kid has their child. Yeah. That's like hidden secret knowledge. And I haven't had a kid, so I haven't heard that advice yet. <laughs> but you take that shot and you and you pour the second one and, and you, you go to take the second one. And then the nurse comes in and says, congratulations, it's a healthy blank. And you take it down. Your dad pats you on the back. You walk out and then your dad stares into the cross in the middle of the chapel and remembers when he heard those words on his first kid. Like, that was how good that series was. That was a beautiful moment, man. Like, it, wasn't was, it? Like, that I'm, came I'm from the heart. Up here. Like, that, yeah, that was, I felt something there. Like, I was not expecting to get... That was how good that series was. I was it was amazing. That got, that got really deep. Like, that got way more emotional than I was That's expecting. how I felt. I, I, that was a religious experience watching that series. It was. And look, I, I agree. Like when Thorin says like this was the best series of all time and we need to talk about it with that kind of reverence and break it down game by game and give it that time, give it that energy. Look, we don't do game by game breakdowns on this podcast. If you guys if you guys have listened long enough, we don't do that just because, you know, there are other people that do and we feel like it's just, you know, there are other things we can tap into. But you can't talk about this series. It would be like it would be like talk about a painting by describing, oh yeah, there's some red and there's some green and there's some yellow somewhere in the like like you have to really take in 
every bit of this because this was a piece of art. This was a series that who knows how long it will be until we see a series of that caliber again. It was back and forth filled with some of the craziest moments that I have ever seen in a League of Legends game. And, I mean, let's start game one. Uh, you know, SKT gets ahead early. Rock sneaks the Baron just out of nowhere. And they, you know, they lose it all on a play for the Elder Dragon, which made no sense because SKT only had one Cloud Drake at the time. Like, I mean, what's running through your head? I, I To me, it was, you know, I went from... Oh my god, why did they put Faker on Oriana to Oh yeah, that's why. Like super quick. <laughs> just super he played Oriana just so that can be the SKT skin, god damn it. <laughs> like I he's always said he wants an SKT Ari skin, and so that means in the finals they're gonna see Ari against Victor, right? I, like, I don't I don't think is that a thing? Uh Ari would be great. I would love to see <laughs> I would love to see it just because He's always said though, he's like, I want Rise and I want Ari. So yeah. he got his Ryze skin, now he needs uh, no, this that felt like to me the 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 curse. That felt like the jitters of this is SKT. Yes. That felt like a we need to make this play happen. Like we need we need we need to get on top of this. We need to crush them. Like SKT was reeling. Like Duke wasn't playing very well. Wolf wasn't playing very well. Faker because he was on a champion like Oriana, it's not super high impactful early on, and there's a timer on it mm-hmm. to. You need to kind of beat an Oriana before a certain point, or you get to team fights and it takes one ult. Like yeah. once you get to forty-five minutes, one team fight goes uh, goes wrong and you lose the game off of it. So like there's that kind of timer, and it just felt like Rocks had their foot on the gas pedal. They're chugging along, chugging along, chugging along, and they saw that that drawbridge was about to come up, and they're like, "Nope, I gotta hit this." And they sped up, and they mistimed it, and instead of going across smoothly, they pulled a Thelma and Louise and ran smack first into the, you know, into, like, the top of the drawbridge as it was coming up. So, um, it was a bad mistake. I'm very impressed that it didn't rattle them for the rest of the series. Yeah. They shrugged it off pretty quickly. That was when I was worried. I'm like, what if they just can't handle this from, you know, if, if the monkey on their back just is too much for them? And... You know, you say that Duke didn't look great. I mean, I thought his Trundle did everything it needed to. He split pushed very well. Um, he was able to bully out Poppy when he needed to. He, he didn't look um, great in, like, the laning phase. Yeah, no, he should have. I mean, the fact that Poppy was bullying him under tower and they almost got a first split off of it, like, that was that was weird given it's Trundle versus Poppy. But at the same time, I think he did enough. And I think that's really... Absolutely, absolutely. That, that was the story is they were, they were all doing enough and Prey... And Gorilla, I think they picked the stereotypical bot lane up until that point of just, look, Caitlyn, Karma, you have all the pushing power in the world early, and that'll be enough. And it wasn't. Um, they got outplayed in that lane. You know, uh, we found out that Ash does just fine. Uh, Wolf Zyra is really good. It just, you know, the meta has changed since that was the bot lane that we defined worlds by. And yeah. I thought that it was a really great adaptation from SKT. I, I thought that you know, Bengi did enough to get the rest of his team going. He he's no Yankos going full man mode, but you know, <laughs> he uh, he did enough and no righteous glory. I mean, I'm I'm ashamed, Bengi. I'm ashamed. Yeah, yeah, that was a little weird, but but look, man. At the end of the day, like Rocks was so far behind, and they snuck that Baron, and they gave themselves a chance. And if they let that Elder Drake go, 
maybe they have a play later on as the scaling keeps going and Kuro's still doing a ton of damage and Caitlyn's going to get to her power spikes. I felt like they looked at that and they said, we have three elementals. If we take this Elder Drake, we can win the game. And they went for it. And, you know, it was the wrong call at the end of the day. It didn't work out. I think they funneled, they funneled into that pit rather poorly. You know, if you, if you replay it, you have to wonder, you know, the angles they chose and whether that was a, a smart yeah. play or not. Um, you know, Smep's hammer use was very suboptimal there. But, you know, they, they played to win. And I've always believed if you, if you think you're an underdog, you have to play to win rather than playing to not lose. So... I really, um, you know, I really, really appreciate it. Um, you know, then we go to games two and three. I mean, we already said before, Ash misfortune, just out of nowhere, man. And you know, game two, game two, you could say. I, I remember you texting me. You said, first of all, we're never seeing blank again in this series, and second of all, we're never seeing misfortune again. And then both of those things happened within two minutes of you sending me that tweet. It's that text, and you're like, God damn it. Why? Why is this happening? And then it won again. And that's the thing about that series of picks to me is, you know, if you're doing it on red side as a last pick, it's cheese. If you're doing it on blue side after you've already shown it, it's not cheese anymore. Like, they that's, knew it was coming. It's a legitimate strategy, and it works. That's, that's, so well. that's some good Gouda. Let, oh. let me just say, like, that is some. that is some fantastic cheese that is some really good cheese i'm when i say cheese i don't necessarily mean to like discredit it as like oh it's this super awkward pick that never should work like watching it three times Mm -hmm. watching its interaction listening to other people explain it like on reddit and normally i don't look at reddit as like good analytical analysis but like just thinking about it in my head Mm -hmm. it makes a lot of sense yeah like it works really well. You saw, especially with Ash. Like I don't think Misfortune support is a good pick at all. I don't think you should go and play into Braum or Alistar or Karma or like right. any of that. I think it's really, really good against Zyra right. because she does the exact same thing Zyra does, but with just even more damage. Right, and it pairs so well with Ash because they have such large area of effect slow abilities mm-hmm. that it makes. Uh, that it makes bullet time and ash arrow like so easy to hit and gorilla gorilla played it better than core jj like i say i think core jj came up with a pick gorilla definitely played it better his timings were immaculate his bullet times were like beef they were so in sync that the ash arrow was already launched and was going towards the enemy champion and then the second it looked like it would get close enough to them they're like oh crap i have to react to this then he would make it rain, and then he would ult in quick succession before the Ash Arrow even hit. Like, it was just really, really good timing. They really executed on it uh, exceptionally well. And the reason I say it's cheese is because it is in that one unique situation. It only works in Desire like that, and it probably only works with Ash or maybe Jit. Yeah, I, those Jim, would be the two. I'm a little like iffy on because that that root is way harder to hit than an, an ash arrow. I think yes. it requires a li- like a lot more um, cohesion because like an ash arrow you can just hit by yourself. Like that yeah. root you need to really work together on. Yeah, and, then, um, and so that's why I say it's cheese. It's like it's a one off strategy that only works within these like very specific circumstances. But um, man, but, uh, did it work? 
Yeah. Oh, it's good cheese. And and that's the, good cheese. And that's the thing is that you look at, you know, how Samsung played it, and you realize the difference between playing it well and playing it poorly. And the difference is that Prey hit basically every arrow that he ever got to play with, and it was absolutely insane. I mean, it was one of those things where, you know, people were like, "What? You know, what in the world? Why? Why would they? You know, first rotation Ash?" And I just had to look at them and say, "Have we all forgotten that Prey is the best Ash in the world? Like, when, when did we forget that? Why did we forget that?" Like, Prey has been a monster on Ash, even when it hasn't been a meta pick. It's if he just, played Twitch, we would have said the same thing about his Twitch, though. Like, Yeah, well, look, those are the two champions that he, that he carries in his pocket, no matter what the meta is. And the fact that Ash is in this meta and had a combo that works really well against this oppressive Zyra, not only for all the reasons you mentioned, we didn't even mention the fact that the passive does really well against Zyra's plants. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the I other mean, thing that came up. They, uh, I mean, there were so many things that made that pick make sense, but it all only really comes together if you're hitting all of those arrows. And Prey just is able to make... Even Faker, the king of sidestepping skill shots, couldn't dodge all of his... Uh, ults. Though to be fair, that was a fail flash when they showed it, and I, I was just like, man, Faker fail flash. He is human after all. That is, it's good. To, it's it, it was uh, that put a smile on my face, but only because yeah, that's the kind of thing where I, if I had somehow succeeded doing that, it would have been a complete accident. But yep. the fact that Faker didn't make that escape blew my mind because it's just Faker. It just. You just assume I, that he's going to make the, the perfect the play. The snipe right? onto Duke's Echo is still probably <laughs> oh the best play God. I've ever seen. Because he dot, like, you you know SKT is like, no, no, move. They can see you. They can see you. Like, don't do it there. And Prey still somehow was like, eh, no, he's going to be here. And it was, that was fantastic. It was amazing. That that was where I thought SKT lost the series. I Yeah, well, look. I was scared. I was like. That was so uncharacteristic of SK team to be that rattled. Even like seeing Faker, Faker was visibly frustrated uh, in that game one. Like visibly frustrated that this was happening to them. And then it happened to him again in game two or in game three. And it, it wasn't that visible frustration. It was just like, okay, I, like, okay, I'm understanding this now. Like I have to lose another game, but I need to understand how this is working. I need to understand why it's so good. I need to understand how to counter it, what to deal with it. And then in game four, they're just like, you know what? Screw it. Let's just get rid of the pick. Yeah. And, and which to be fair, like I, you know, I had theory catch with you. Like I was like, maybe you just ban Ash. And I, I think they correctly realized that, look, even if we ban Ash, maybe they'll try it with Jin. Maybe it still works. At the very least, it kills our desire to use Zyra the way we want to. And so they just ban it. And what we get is Bangi Nidalee. And this is Bangi's first game at playing Nidalee. Ever. Um, ever. A, a, ever in competitive play. That is insane, by the way, given that he's played for over four years. The fact that he's never played Nidalee once, despite how many times Nidalee was oppressively strong in the meta. That is insane. I, I would just like to, to, to read a quote. Um, you know, the casters in OGN asked him about the Nidalee pick. He said, it... It was because of Koma's marvelous pick and ban. Hmm, can I do not say any more about this? The caster gave him some pressure, and he says, quote, Coach Koma apologized to the team just after pick and ban at my Nidalee game. Coach said, sorry, Nidalee is open. 
I think Coma got nervous by the misfortune pick and made a ban mistake. Uh, although we uh, we set pick and ban one day before the match, and I was not intended to play Nidalee, but Peanut is a pretty good Nidalee, so we can't give him that champ. So I had to pick him. I didn't practice Nidalee much. We always ban Nidalee at purple side, but Nidalee is basically a good champion, so I decided to do it, and it went well with a bit of luck. And and our good friend Andrew Kim then said that in the very next interview he said that Bengi changed his tune and said no we were we were, we were always going to take Italy. Yeah, well, Koma I just, the, I just cracked the whip. It was amazing. Like that is you want to look about Korean discipline. That went, he went from yeah sure I'll say what you want me to say to uh, excuse me I never um, I, I just want to say that Koma does everything perfectly all the time yeah. and that <laughs> I am sorry to Senpai for ever doubting anything that he decided. Like like it was just such an immediate reversal. And the I the reaction Koma had after Bengi succeeded. Oh my god! And even even and I'm even thinking like after game five, which we'll get to in a moment. Like just the reactions the team had after game four when they win with Nidalee, and you can visibly see on Roxas' face like crap. Yeah, because that's not that is never something we ever would associate with with Bengi. Yeah. Never, and it's not like he played it badly. He looked amazing. Right. He looked. That was one of the best Nidalee games of the entire tournament. The synergy that he had with Faker was on point. Mm-hmm. The NAR pick, Duke all of a sudden woke up and was like, Psh, who's Smeb? It's like, who is this kid? I'm going to, whatever. He had like his Smeb moment, moment against Marin last year where where like Smeb, Smeb went off in a game. It was like, oh, I don't care who this is. Like, ah, no, someday, screw him. Like, he was like, no, 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 Smeb. I'm the best top laner in the world because I'm on SKT. And the next two games styled on Smeb. And this is where I go back to my point of maybe Smeb probably shouldn't be in the discussion for best player in the world. Like, maybe it should just be Faker. Let's, let's, like, come on. Yeah. It was, it was fantastic. When they picked Italy, I was like, did they put Blanket back in? Like, nope, yeah. it's been, okay. Um, and then it was perfection. And I was like, all right, we have to say that Benki is the greatest jungler of all time because. Oh, oh, come on now. Because this is what happens. He is the most clutch jungler of all time. I will He's say the most that. clutch player. There's He's the most clutch player. I, well, then, then you have the to claim Robert that Faker Ori is not. Legend. He's the Robert Ori of League of Legends. But, yeah, maybe that's fair because Faker is always attempts, good. I mean, but like, Bengi is Bengi's ten, like 9 of 10 you just, in clutch moments. You just look at it and you hear all these things like, Bengi just wants to go into the org, like be a coach, be an analyst, stop playing jungle. He feels like he's done this for years, and the, you know, he wants to move on, and that's why they keep bringing in guys like Blank. And then, you know, game four, it's like we need you, Bengi. He's like, all right, you know, gets himself going. He's like, okay, let 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 me save you guys again, because that's what I do, because I'm Bengi, <laughs> and I just have perfect synergy with my mid laner and also my top laner apparently because. The way he and Duke bounced off of each other. I mean, Smeb got destroyed. This this game was over in the top and mid lane before it ever started. And that doesn't include Bang then becoming this teamfight monster and Wolf doing everything he could to just rack up assist after assist. I mean, it was it was devastating. I I This 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 game confirmed to me that SKT wanted Prey on Astrogen the entire series. They wanted him on low mobility eighty carries. I, I mean, I don't... Th- think- like, this game proved it to me that they wanted him on Ash and they wanted him on Jin, and they were okay with him playing Ash because they knew that they could get to him. 
Well, I, I think that there's a reason that in Game 5 they first rotationed Ash, actually. I, I'll disagree with that. I don't think that... I don't think you want Ash if you can. I think you want him on Jin. I think if if it had made it to second rotation uh, for SKT, they absolutely would have picked Ash over the Jin because oh, Prey well, is yeah. so good at it. But I, I yeah. agree with you that they were much happier when they felt like, okay, can we just play around getting Faker ahead because he's playing Kuro and he should. And by the way, Kuro, buddy, um, listen, I know... I know you're not the guy that we're supposed to be expecting to win a game for Rocks Tigers. I get it. I understand. However, you do realize like you don't have to stand in the path of every bomb that Zillion throws your way, right? Like you're allowed to dodge them. You're allowed to move around. I mean, oh my God. I mean, there's the number of free kills he gave because he just couldn't dodge that shot. And, you know, if you want a comparison, go back to the LCK in the in the regular season and watch what happened when anyone dared to take Zillion against Faker, and how Faker doesn't get hit by like a single bomb, like that. Like the, stun, the greatest player of all time. Yeah, like I mean, it, but and I under, I'm not asking him to be the greatest player of all time. I am asking him to be not a complete dead weight, which is what he was in the series, because Faker just got to the point where. You know, his bombs were doing crazy amounts of damage and he was able to clean up fights with Bang and, you know, Bengi was then hunting down whatever stragglers remained. And, I mean, this was, I would say, the most complete victory of the five. You know, this was the one where start to finish, you never really felt, you know, even with Rocks, you know, they yeah. they did well getting, you know, they got a tower or two, they got a couple kills, they got a Mountain Drake to start the game, but... It really did feel like things just escalated in SKT's favor. And of the five games, when you go back to rewatch them, this will probably be the least fun to watch. I think, I think it's, it's... I think it'll probably be the most fun to watch because it's Bengi in Italy. I'm, I'm sorry, like... It's his first time ever playing the champion competitively, and he looks like he's been playing it his entire life. And now he has skins for all three junglers. All three of the triumvirate. I mean, does he pick Olaf or does he pick Nidalee? I think you you go Olaf. Just just I think they're not going to let Nidalee through again. I think this was an absolute mistake. I think they'll never let it happen again. Uh, I think that if you're Samsung, you hope that they pick Nidalee because Ambition knows knows it so well. You hope that he can play against it. Um, you know, he understands how to play against it very well. Uh, maybe his solo landers can't as much. That'll be a decision that that organization will have to make, but it's, I mean, it, it's one of those things where I just don't, I, I, I don't know, man. Carl's going to make a great coach. Yardy, uh, yeah, he will. He'll, he'll be a very, he's a smart dude. He's just not mechanically there. Yardy makes a great point. Bangy is the real carry when Bang flashes into heal. That was a great moment too. That would, Bang. <laughs> sacrifices himself so sac- Bangy gets out. <laughs> You could tell, like, that was the, like, I am here to absolve you of your sins. That's some, that's some solo queue stuff right there. It, that's was, some, so, would, it was so I was dumb. watching Dardock earlier, and he was playing with Yasui. And Yasui goes to tower dive top lane against, like, three champions. And, like, inner tower. And Dardock goes in to save him with Lamb's Respite as Kindred. And then realizes, like, oh... Now I'm stuck under tower against three other champions. <laughs> Yasui dies, and he goes, and this is the moment I realized my life had gone. <laughs> like, yeah. It was it, hilarious. It, it's one of those where it freeze frames. It's like, you're probably wondering how I got here. 
<laughs> it's yep. just, I mean, oh man. And, and, you know, shout out to Bengi, man. He, you know, he did get MVP of the series. Uh, I think rightfully so. I think the difference in his terms of communication uh, between when he's on the rift and when Blank is on the rift, it's just a different level of coordination. Yeah. It's not that Blank played poorly, because there are going to be a lot of people who say that. And I look forward to Blank getting his you know, $500,000 or whatever when he goes to China next year. Like That's, that's where that's going. He's done enough to earn it. That'll, that'll be what happens. But there's, man, there's something about that Bengi magic where he just knows how to call for that team and make sure that everyone has... Yeah, he just he knows what to do, man. He is the jungle. That's the meme, is that Bengi is actually physically the jungle. I he is the it. physical embodiment of everything that is the jungle. And that's why next time we see him, he's going to have a bunch of plants. Like He's going to be like Poison Ivy with like carrying potted plants. And, and, and this is why in Game 5, you really, 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 really shouldn't have put the entire series on a 50-50 Baron. That's. I'm just gonna throw that out there. That was probably a bad call. When you're going up against the guy who we just said is the jungle, maybe that's not. I mean, playing his champion, playing his champion in the perfect situation. Um, I understand that you're a little bit behind, but they were not that far behind. At least in kills, they were pretty close. And the only thing that could really hurt you is Duke scaling up to the point where he's unkillable. And, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Smep, Daddy, what happened? Smep, Smep? Are, are you okay, Smep? Ah, Smep. This, he, I don't think Smep I, played I think poorly. he deserves a Daddy award. Oh, shut up. Stop I, that. I truly think that he under, he massively underperformed. Stop that. Everybody's going to remember this amazing Cannon Ultimate, but, like, what else did he do the rest of the tournament? Uh, did you watch the quarterfinals? Did you watch how good he was against EDG? Did you watch how good he was in most of the group stage? Like, that's that's silly. There there are so many players who are more deserving of the Dade Award. He and he had a couple good games in this series itself. Like you look at games yeah. two and three, he played. I mean, you know, I, I think that his seven one eight rumble did pretty darn well for itself. I think that his rumble in both of those games actually did quite well. I, I just I look at this tournament. He, and I go, I I can't believe that. We actually considered him a potential well, suitor to Faker's number one well, spot. Well, that's the problem, is that when you say anyone is the number one, he's going to be put under scrutiny. And I think that people are desperately trying to look for a storyline. It's the same reason why every year you and I look and say, like, man, could this Chinese team be the second best team in the world? Like, we do, we do it too. It's a natural human inclination. We're always... <clears throat> I don't know what you're talking about. I definitely didn't gamble on a Chinese team to win at all. I don't, there's definitely I don't know what not, you're talking about. There's definitely no. not a video of it on YouTube.com no, if you search for not. Rough Drafts Podcast. I mean, look, I, um, I, I get why we do it. It's a very human thing. We want things to change. We want new storylines. We, um, we want everything going. It's, it, it's just one of those things where... At the end of the day, Faker is Faker, and Faker is the best. And you know, at the you know, this series came down to you know, Rocks innovated. They they do what they always do, which is that they try new things. They figure out you know how to make a patch work as quickly as possible. And SKT did exactly what SKT does, which is the more time you give them on a patch, the more time you get you know more footage you give them to analyze, and the more scrims you get them to take a look at, 
They will break it down. They will make it a science. And they will master every little bit of it. And that's what happened here is that, you know, Rocks had a really nice pocket pick. It worked out very well. Caught him off guard. They couldn't handle it. But SKT just understood the meta. And, you know, honestly, I think it says so much that Faker in their wins was playing Zillion and Oriana, two of the least, you know, hard carry champions you could probably come up with for the mid lane other than a mid lane uh, karma probably and was still a dominant force just i mean yeah faker just understands exactly what to do at any and all times to get his team ahead he got a solo kill on oriana how the hell does that happen that's insane it's Dude, Clockwork Windup deals a lot of damage if you aren't paying attention. You get hurt, hit with that like fourth auto attack, and you're like, "Where did half my health go?" Oh, see, oh right. Sorry, I made the mistake of thinking that in the World Championship you'd be paying attention to that kind of thing, but I don't. You're playing against Faker. I'm pretty sure you're paying attention to like 80 other things, and they're like, "Oh, yeah, I'm in auto attack range." Well, and, and therein lies yeah. the problem, and that's why you know Peanut, you know, and, and the rest of this Rockstar's <laughs> team is the one that's going home. You know, we know the Jacob Wolf story. I, you know, I, I don't want to get into that because, you know, there are a lot of people that are still desperately trying to believe that Jacob Wolf is just making things up, and that's, uh, you know, that that's on them. Whatever helps you sleep at night, guys. Not after this. I mean, th- yeah, that's just it. This is the kind not of not after loss. this, guys. You're you're not running it back. There's there's no way you run it back. So I mean. I mean, it, do we? I mean, obviously, rocks as an entity is going to exist. It, it, they, is it? I mean, they have to. And I guess it? they could sell the spot. Is it? They have to. I, I don't, don't know, know what their ownership. Like, I don't know what their ownership status is. I don't know if the players have a percentage of the group. I don't know. I just know Smeb, Peanut, and Gorilla are about to make a ton of money. Prey is going to enjoy retirement, and Kuro is going to enjoy retirement slash coaching a team. Yeah, Kuro is going to be a great coach. I hope the Prey doesn't retire. I think he's got one more year in him. I, th- I think that he could go to a Western team and be very – look, Veritas got signed. Veritas <laughs> and Police were LCS 80 carries. I'm almost positive Prey can get another paycheck. Like I'm just throwing that out there. Peke was, a, Peke was an LCS 80 carry. Let's be honest. Yeah, there you go. That's the, actually the perfect example. Like that's – if there's room for Prey, it's just a matter of, of when that's going to – Go, go down. I, I I turned I turned to after the series was over and all the North all the fans were chanting Peanut. I turned to my friends and I said Peanut's going to make a hell of a lot of money in North America next year. Yeah, North America or China. I, I, I'm not ruling China out of the. Out of I, I think North America will go really hard after him. After you look at just how much the fans loved him, that's like oh, instant fan base. Yeah. That's could you that's imagine? Like, that's like Echo Fox going and getting Frog in. Like well, that's yeah. instant. Uh, this is what I want to see. I want to see. I want to see Rick Fox sign him. I want to have you have Peanut, Froggen, and whatever three you know three other players you want. And if nothing else, they are the most loved team in the league. Just have Froggen see, do his Anivia dance every once in a while, and you're fine. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying it's a perfect system. It's not a perfect system. I'm just saying that you know Rick Fox has the money for. I'm actually I'm I'm just waiting to see where all this money comes down because. We have no idea. We know that a whole bunch of sports organizations are getting involved in both Europe and North America. We don't know how much money there's going to be. We don't know how much money they're going to be willing to spend right away. 
Uh, Rasta Duppy, you're asking about Dardock. Uh, Dardock uh, is not going to Echo Fox, at least unless he made another deal with them. That deal fell through because the contract wasn't technically uh, recognized. Um, so we'll see what happens. I, you know, th there are a lot of things in free agency that are going to go down. Uh, but it's going to be a fun, fun off season. It it, it really is going to so... be. I, I can't wait to just see what happens. Because like you said, like the West needs to build up a brand at the very least. And you have all these orgs who are not going to settle for Worlds is not... Do you think Magic Johnson is sitting to himself and thinking to himself, yeah, I don't care if my team is able to compete for the World Championship. Not, just not how a lot of these guys are <laughs> wired. Like none of these professional orgs are wired to settle for mediocrity. So I think we're going to see uh, a big change in how some of these things are structured. Good, good luck. That's yeah. all I have. No, that. well, that's that's what's gonna make it fun. Do we wanna do we wanna keep going or do we wanna take a break? Yeah, let's. I I'm fine. Let's keep rocking and rolling. Right, let's keep going. Okay, so we got to talk about the finals now. SKT yes, versus Samsung Galaxy. One of these teams. We just spent a whole bunch of time going game by game because of how many wonderful things they're able to do. Uh, one of these teams we desperately try not to talk about for 25 minutes because it's really hard to come up with positive things. Uh, let's start with the one thing that is inarguable, which is the legacy of this series. You have one team that is trying to recreate the 2001 Patriots, where they win three championships in four years uh, with a star at a major position that is dominant and will likely continue to be dominant moving forward regardless of whether they win championships or not. And then you have Samsung, the only other org that has won a championship since Faker became a League of Legends player, an organization that had to battle their way, you know, through almost being relegated a year ago to yeah. now being, you know, having all these cast-offs and Players like Cuve and Ambition that everyone said were the worst players of their position at one point in time. I mean, from a legacy perspective, you know, if we're going to pretend to be like Thor and to be esports historians here, how much does all of that factor into just the weight of this series? I mean, that's, that's going to be the narrative that Riot constantly sells us is going to be the SKT versus Samsung narrative. Um, I... I have very I have a hard time buying that narrative because this is not this isn't Pawn and Dade and Looper and uh, Deft and Imp and uh, Dandy like this isn't that team. It's not. You can't sell me on that. I watch the I watch Samson White and Samson Blue play, and yeah, it's a really good feel good story for the organization that they like did what an organization is supposed to do and like go out and get young talent and cultivate that talent and work that talent until it's better and then oh my god then you have a decent team like who knew that's who knew that was what an organization was supposed to do i live in north america like that doesn't exist yeah um i i yeah i mean i guess there's connotation in terms of legacy of the organizations it's either samson's going to be the second team the second organization to win multiple championships and we have two teams that have two championships ambition gets his first championship that's mm -hmm. kind of cool um at Core JJ, I guess that'd be kind of cool. A nice redemption arc for him after Dignitas. Um, Crown it, was playing in Brazil. Like, we got to keep it's that just, in mind. It's hard for me to equate any of that to the Patriots, to the gold standard that is SKT. 
Like, I think SKT winning their third championship and Faker, Bengi, and Kakoma winning their third championships, which I'm pretty sure Mike uh, Bengi is Mike Vrabel in this art, in this, like, back and forth. Like, the mm-hmm. captain of, like, the defensive side. I think that's our Patriots connotation. Belichick is Kakoma, Faker is Brady, and then, and then Bengi is Mike Vrabel. Um, Except the difference here is that on the other side, Samsung has one of the largest and most efficient infrastructures of any esports organization like they have so many coaches so many analysts such a rigid schedule they are so good at setting players up so it's like if there was a belichick on both sides and the difference is one team has tom brady and one team has uh, uh god i mean what, what you got to go at least a full tier down like nowadays it would be like joe flacco like they've got Joe Flacco on their side, Ugh. and Joe, look, Joe Flacco's had some good games, man. Don't Ugh. get me wrong; he Ugh. he was a dragon Ugh. during their Super Bowl run. Uh, but at the same time, the crown hasn't been. I know his, that, his that victory is great. The, the problem is that he's not going to get the victory again. I think that's that's something I'm willing to oh he will put down no, in stone. He'll, he'll he'll get it. He'll get it at least once. He will get it in Game Three if SKT is up to nothing. I don't think I don't think Koma gives it to him. Otherwise, why would you? I think he gets it when I, he might get it on uh, when, when SKT's on red side in game two. When they played in the playoffs, they never gave it to him. They banned it every time. I would be surprised if they changed from that, because when you take that away from Crown, you have crippled him. And Faker feels very confident playing into a Cassiopeia with whatever he wants to play. I I just can't think of any other. Picks that are that ban worthy, you know. You you can ban Nidalee, you can ban uh, you ban Nidalee, you ban uh, you've banned Victor, and then you ban whatever the heck else you want, and you're you're fine on red side, you know. I I I don't think that you're really worried about the Aurelian Solar, the rise from him. So, you know, honestly, if Rise gets through, then you just give it to Faker, and Faker single handedly wins the game because Faker is Faker, and Faker is the best, you know. I. To me, I, I think that they're just going to try to shut that down and say, okay, Crown, what else you got? Because you can just do that. Um, but speaking of just being able to do things, you know, we saw it, it went to five games. It was an incredible series. Are there some muscles left that SKT has to flex? Oh, yeah. Because, oh, yeah. again, I, like Oriana and Zillion makes me say that you know, Faker could at any time. Like, I, I just want to see another LeBlanc. Like, he's he's only lost on that champion once in competitive play. Fake, Faker has a a pocket pick. That's why I think they get Victor. That's why I mm-hmm. think Samson gets Victor in that second game when they're on on blue side. I think that Faker has something to beat the Victor, and that's going to be the 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 skull crushing finale. Of Samsung is going to be game two. They're going to get everything they want, and then SKT is going to be perfectly planned for it. Faker's going to pull out this weird counter pick. Maybe it is just LeBlanc. Maybe it's already like it'll be something kind of un- unexpected, and then Samsung will have to go into the next game. SKT will leave Victor up again, and Samsung will spend the entire time going. They're they're baiting us, right? Like <laughs> they want us to do this again. Like uh, like. 
they're going to mind game them in game two with the victor and faker has something against it i can almost i would be willing to bet money on that right now i'm sure it's a play i i definitely i'll say this this is a team that learned the hard way you know when edg trapped faker into playing the leblanc and then picked the perfect anti-leblanc comp to win msi 2015 like that's something that we have certainly already seen what you got to understand, and, and chat's already bringing up, there are like five different, you know, pocket picks you could see. Um, it's, he has a champion ocean. I love the way people describe that. Like, he could play anything. He could play mid lane Olaf. Like, we've seen that. Maybe that's He's the counter to Victor. Yeah, mid lane Aurelia has been done. Like, I don't know what hasn't been done. But there's something that he, you know, is absolutely capable of doing that we haven't seen yet. And I can't wait to see what that thing is. You know what I'm also curious to see? Are we going to see Blanket all this series? Yes. Yes. You think yes? I think we still see him. Maybe one game. Maybe two. We'll see how it goes. Interesting. I don't want to. I think Beggy's the better choice. But I, uh, I talked with Andrew Kim, Korean Mulan from Slingshot Esports, about this a bit. And he says he has a feeling, just from talking to... The certain Korean players that Kokoma sees something in blank, something that he saw in like Tom, something that he sees in these kind of junglers to replace Bengi, um, and that's why he constantly uses them. Um, and then like the organization trusts him and his eye for talent because he's been very successful at like spotting talent. So I think I kind of agree. He sees something in blank that he doesn't see in Bengi, and maybe it's just his ability to play carry style champions like Kindred or Graves. Um, but there's a reason he's on this team, and let's not forget he did win MSI. Like yeah. they won MSI with blank. They did very well during the regular season with blank. Like yeah. Bengi did not play a whole lot, and some of the games that he played, he didn't look good. Yeah. It's just that when he gets to Worlds, it's he's been in his hyperbolic time chamber the entire time, sort of like where JJ was, and comes out and is like, "All right, I learned how to play Nidalee in 12 hours. Let's do this." Like, yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm sure we'll see him. I'm sure context will kind of matter how long we see him. Um, I think they open with Bengi again. They'll probably yes. do game one with Bengi and then maybe switch to blank in game two. And yes. um, we'll see. If they lose game two, it's very they could just go, okay, we'll try and do Bengi again. I think the one thing Kakoma doesn't want to do, though, is like if Bengi loses game one and then blank loses game two, whoever he puts in game three is probably it for like the rest of the series. Like I don't think he's going to alternate every single game Depending on like, okay, well, Bengi lost this game, so let me put in Blank. Okay, Blank won this game, we're gonna keep him in. Oh, he lost, let me put in Bengi. Like, he's not gonna do anything like that. It's all gonna be very strategic and very like planned out. So yes, I I think we will see Blank at least one or two games. I I think we'll see Blank once. I I, I think that it really comes down to if Blank plays well, they will stick with a hot hand. I'd like to see him in game one for that reason. I want to see him start a series. And see, I mean, maybe it's nerves. Maybe that's why they always start Bengi in game one, just so he can sit next to Coma and try to calm down. I mean, I know, you know, to give my Atlanta Falcons example, right? Michael Vick was like this in all of our games. The first two drives of the game, he was useless because he was so hyped up that he would be overthrowing his receivers by like 10 yards or more. And it's why we had the worst uh, percentage of successes on first, uh, on first drives in the league throughout his reign. It was just, he, he was terrible at it. And maybe Blank's that way. He just gets so hyped up and he gets so nervous and that's why we saw some of the mistakes we did. Um, it's certainly in play that they're going to try to calm him down, put him in a situation where he's comfortable, let him do his thing. You know, certainly they weren't afraid of, you know, switching to Blank from Bengi 
after Benke won game one, so they don't feel mm-hmm. a need to ride the hot hand. I yeah. think once Blank is pulled, I think he's done. Yeah. Blank does not come back after a loss, I think, yeah, is, I is, is the you know most important thing. I think that SKT wants to make a statement. I think they want to say that last week was their championship, and this is just their crowning ceremony. You know, it's, it's, it's the... <laughs> It's the Justin Timberlake sexy back of of uh, League of Legends series, where it's not really there to be a series. It's there to be a you know their moment of just crowning glory. Um, it, it, it's a You're making a lot of game. unintentional puns here, dude. Uh, look, I uh, I'm glad. I think Crown might have something to say about that. I look, Crown can try. I'd love to see him try. I would, you know, and and that's one of the things I gotta ask, you know. What can Crown and the rest of this team do to to clean up some of the holes that SKT will undoubtedly exploit? Because, as we mentioned before, there were a lot of holes in that H2K series. There were way too many kills given up. Their early game and their laning is just is very, very inconsistent, especially that bot lane. Like, I know Wolf did not play well in the Rock series at all, but, like, Core JJ was that much worse. And it's just that uh, Vander and Forgiven weren't on the champions or weren't in the positions to really punish that. Um, I, I really feel like, I feel like crown is a very, very good mid laner. And again, I talked with Andrew Kim from Slingshot Esports about this, uh, and, and discussions. Cause we were also talking about like Mickey from, from Africa freaks. And, um, it, I, I said like, well, it, is this like crown kind of feels attitude wise, kind of like a really young faker, kind of like that season three faker vibe. And, and we talked about it a little bit, and, and we came to the conclusion that Crown isn't a faker type of champion of, of player. He's not a like super highly mechanical, I'm going to outplay you constantly type of champion. But he does remind us of Pawn. A very consistent, I'm going to get through my laning phase and my big contributions are going to be in the team fighting phase. So that's where I'm very interested in how exactly Crown and Faker match up in this series. Is this now going to be an extension of Crown now becomes the antithesis to faker or is this just faker is going to brush off another young mid, you know korean mid laner is like no no one's gonna... is this like kobe against tracy mcgrady and vince carter and alan iverson all the time being like no kid get out of here this is my league like that's what i'm very interested in because if he does like show up even if they lose the series but if he shows up and he has kind of some gumption and like really takes it to faker then going into next year you have this really interesting story of not only Mickey, who showed multiple times to be like an SKT slayer, but also crowned these two like young mid laners with very different styles, you know, coming after you know Faker's Kobe. We have the the Kevin Durant and the the LeBron style of player of who's going to take that crown from Faker because at some point he's going to retire. Yeah. Faker's not going to play this game until he's thirty five years old, like Daigo Umahura. Like this isn't the kind of game that you can really do that in. I don't I mean, think there's the longevity in League of Legends. Like, I don't could. think League of Legends is going to have that type of longevity as a sport like you know most fighting games do. I, I think at some point he's either going to get bored, he's going to just be feel worn out. Like The kid plays League of Legends like 13 hours a day. Yeah, I, I get that in Korea that's kind of like a thing that you like really work hard all the time and you, you work that hard. But at some point like he's still like a 20, 21-year-old kid. Yeah. Like at some point he's gonna get bored with this. At some point he's gonna get burnt out, and maybe it's for a split. 
maybe they pull like an easy who thing again where they bring in you know another mid laner and he takes half the reps so faker can you know kind of take a break but like i'm i'm very interested to see if maybe crown shows up because outside of mickey and even mickey is not like every single game he's like oh yeah i'm gonna beat faker it's just like on occasion he has these really good matchups against faker because he has that mechanical skill to outplay him i'm curious to see if anyone else is going to kind of emerge to try and you know contest him just as a mid laner not not as a you know overall player in the world that i i feel like is just nearly impossible to happen because he's also much like Kobe, he's transitioned his game away from this pure athleticism of mechanics to a much more cerebral, okay, well, I'm a bigger player than you. I'm going to post you up and back you down into the paint. Or, oh, you're shorter than me. I'm going to shoot 20-foot jump shots over you all day. Like, Kobe is a very, like, apt comparison for Faker. Yeah, look, I mean, they're, they're both greats. I mean, I would even say, uh, you know, Michael Jordan is the, the ultimate in that regard, right, of just... Michael Jordan could beat you in this, that, and the other thing, and it, it wasn't really a question. Um, it was just a matter of how he was going to do it. Was he going to do it by, you know, just getting in your face and, and just, you know, driving to the hoop and making you foul him over and over again if you wanted to stop mm-hmm. him? Or were you going to give him his three? Were you going to give him, you know, whatever you gave up, it was going to hurt. Yeah. Um, I'll put it this way. I These two teams played each other twice um, in the regular season, obviously. Uh, both of them were two zeros uh, in SKT's favor. Uh, neither of them were particularly close. Crown got his victor in one of those games and was destroyed by uh, Karma from Faker. Uh, we never got to see Samsung play. Yeah, right? Uh, we never got to see them play in the playoffs because Samsung got 3-0'd by KT Rolster. And all of this is to say that Stop, stop saying they got 3-0'd by KT Rolster with, like, this edge to it. They I then look. beat them in this... I feel like anytime KT Rolster and Samson are brought up, it's not on purpose, but everyone always has this slight little tinge of, like, yeah, KT Rolster, like, they should have been here, Samson, how dare you? Like, Meh. Samson beat them. Samson yeah, beat them. Look. They beat them 3-2. Look, like, just like Western teams... Just like Western fans see them as the worst because they killed North America's <laughs> hopes and Europe's hopes, they killed all of the analysts' hopes by killing off KT Rolster, a team that all of us wanted to see. Could you imagine we got to watch Fly in a meta where Aurelian Soul is relevant? Could you imagine watching Score in this, you know, in a tournament in which junglers have been the name of the game? No, because I just keep seeing sa- uh, someday not stare at his minimap at all and die over and over to the simplest of ganks. I, look, I... That that was not good. <laughs> it was a bad... Look, Samsung won the series. They deserve to go through. That is undoubtedly true. I'm just saying, you guys... Every time KT and Samsung are brought up in, like, the same sentence, there's this, like, slight, like, twinge of, like, how scary. Sample size says... Sample size says that you would have rather had KT Rolster at this tournament. That KT Rolster was more consistently the better team... As a North American fan, I would disagree with that because then there's the three best teams in the world. <laughs> they're all Korean at one tournament, and I would have had one of them in my group as TSM. So no, thank you. Sure, look, and that's fine. Like, and, and you know what? Samsung has pulled off upsets, and that brings us to the last question here. They've pulled off upsets before. What would they have to do to pull one off again? Like, you, you know, everything goes perfectly right. What does it look like? They need to channel their inner Samsung white. 
Yeah. Crown, Crown needs to effectively shut, not die at a Faker in laning phase, and then outfight him in team fighting phase. So meaning that you somehow get Faker onto like single target champions, like Zed, LeBlanc, Ari, like things like that. As opposed to Oriana, Zillion, Victor, literally any champion that's actually in the metal right now. Syndra, like, he needs to go to play Assassins, and I don't see Faker playing an Assassin without, like, a very good, good reason. Um, Kuve need, Duke needs to be in, in, intentionally feeding Duke. Like, he needs to go back to, like, early season Duke where he's just like, I'm really bad at League of Legends. He needs to be someday. And Kuve needs to continue his streak of, like, impressive solo kills. Um... Wolf needs to just keep playing like crap and just bringing Bang down, and Ruler and Core JJ have to capitalize on it. And Bengi has to prove to be an aberration that that Bengi and Blake are not very good, and that Ambition is much better jungler than they are. Which I would actually say is probably the probably the case. See, when you said Bengi, all needs of those to things to have an, to happen. When you said that Bengi needs to prove to be an aberration, I just thought you were going to say, you know, that SKT was going to come out and say. What are you talking about? Bengi's been dead for two years. What? Like, whoa, <laughs> Aberrations. no. Aberrations. Yeah. Uh, Aberration. <laughs> like, all those things need to happen. Not one, like, if Duke intentionally feeds to Kuve, Samson probably still loses because SKT will stomp the other two lanes. Like, every single one of those things needs to happen for Samson to win this series. And it needs to happen in three of five games. I just... It doesn't seem very likely. I can see some of those things happening, but not at a consistency and not at a, you know, total mass sum that it, it's really going to matter. Because let's not forget, like, Faker can play Oriana. And one Oriana alt at 35 minutes into the game when you're down by 10,000 gold can turn a game around. That's true. So, and, and if you're saying, like, which team am I more comfortable being down 10,000 gold and, like, still have a chance of winning? It's SKT. Yes. I can see SKT winning a game where they're down by 10,000 gold. Samsung against SKT, I think it's just incredibly unlikely. I think and, if Samsung's down 3,000 gold, I'm willing to call it. Like, I yeah. just, I don't see the comeback mechanic for this team. There isn't, yeah. there isn't some guy on this team, you know, even Crown's Victor, as good as it is, and it is incredibly good, you can't win a game just with that. And the problem with Samsung has been that when they win games... They've done it because they've controlled the map. It's been because they've been willing to innovate and they've been willing to rotate around the map, keep people at the edge of their seats. And, I, you know, I, I think that it's it's tough to do that when SKT has seen all of that coming, you know? They, they know how to handle these kinds of swaps. There is nothing that Samsung is going to throw at them that they haven't seen before. And Samsung's been playing this way all year, and it's never worked for them against SKT. And my biggest concern is that this is a 3-0, that we're just walking right into a 3-0, that this team is just is not on SKT's level. And yeah. unless, I mean, SKT ruined our bet for them to 3-0 last year because they goofed around in Game 3 because they already had a 2-0 lead. So that is certainly in play. But... I'm just finding it harder and harder to see the path to victory for Samsung because it doesn't happen on an individual level at basically any position other than maybe Cuba no. versus Duke. And Duke looked a lot better this week than he has in previous weeks. Yeah. And ma macro wise, I, I think it's not even close. I mean, the fact that 
they gave up as many win, uh, kills as they did to H2K. I mean, it was sloppy. It was really sloppy play. It never felt like H2K was coming back, but that shouldn't have happened. And with SKT, it's not just going to be SKT grabs kills. It's going to be SKT grabs kills and then gets a dragon or a tower or a baron or a whole bunch of vision, and suddenly you're down way more than you thought you were because you made one bad rotation. Yeah. And it's... Uh, it's one of those things. I just, I, I don't know, man. I, <laughs> that's that's my concern. But you know, even though this challenge is over, we are going to guess the lines because that's what yeah. we do on our rough drafts podcast. We, we love unicorn and we love guessing these lines. Uh, Walter, what did you guess? So I have SKT as the favorites at minus two twenty five. Okay. I said minus 270. Okay. I, I get this one. Ooh. The actual line is Ooh. minus 526. <laughs> and we're done. <laughs> Rasta Duffy got minus 500 before he could actually hear it in chat. So shout out to him. Um, yeah. Wow. I, uh, mm. Unicorn doesn't care about Samsung's desire for an upset. They're they're they've crowned Faker already. I am uh man, I don't know. I'm gonna put it this way. If you think SKT is gonna 3 0, you can get that at plus one seventy five. That's insanely low for a three oh in the finals. Oh my lord. Samsung hasn't lost a game in thirteen games, and they're plus three forty underdogs. And who have they played? I know. They played Cloud9, they played H2K, they played TSM, Splice, and RNG. I didn't say they were wrong. I think, the, like, that's the the sad part is, I think this line is really fair. And just for they people... They played four who, Western teams in RNG, like... For, for those of you who don't know gambling lines, maybe you're just, you know, you're, you're listening to the show because you love hearing the analysis or whatever else. That basically means that with a VIG... With the casinos purposely trying to give you less value than they think there is, they are implying that SKT wins this series 84% of the time. That, I mean, that's insane for a finals. Now, remember, Rox was favored last week against SKT. So that says, I think, the world of just Sam, how little we think about Samsung as a, a, a threat in this particular series. And I... I don't think they're wrong. I, I mean, I was looking for prop bets that would be valuable. Um, I don't think that Samsung takes towers or dragons any more efficiently. Uh, under four and a half maps is terrible value. I, I mean, I, I, I think you just stay away. I think we have to tell people not to gamble on the finals. Because Probably. Because there's no value anymore. See, this is why I want... <laughs> I want KT Rolster here, because KT Rolster would have at least brought it down to minus 400, even with the terrible slate of teams they played. I, uh, I, I, I'm depressed. I, I, I think it's a three. Uh, I mean, where's the... Uh, no, go hold on. Just so you know at home, people at home, people are trying... Walter here is trying to get the Ode to Forgiven to be part of the Q&A. That's not uh -oh. happening. Okay. Because... Okay. I, I lost fair and square, and, okay. you know, I, I've got to give the people what they want. And, <laughs> you know, I will okay. say this. Walter 
Walter tried to pardon me on his birthday, much like the Godfather. He, he tried to come in and say, look, it's my birthday. I, I can forgive you of a sin. I will make it so you don't have to do anything. And, you know, we thought of a couple things. We thought about making me drink a lot of drinks. Um, Which we did anyways. So that's, yeah. That's not... I, I, well, look, someone made the mistake of calling me a lightweight, and that did not go over well with drunk self. So <laughs> that, uh, that needed to be fixed. But um, at the same time, I was like, look, what could I do? I need to come up with something. I guess and I guess this is I, I transition the floor to you and look you you I like just you. I mean can you, you I mean at least tell people what you ended up deciding because you have oh. to at least think about it a little bit I, I I he has to do an ode to forgiven I do he has to he has to praise the the one true God yes. and uh, and bow down at the the altar forgiven and ask for penance yes. Um, he needs to have his confessional of all of his sins against our Lord and Savior. And, you know, I'm, uh, I'm okay with this because we've, we've spent a very long time arguing about this, this man back and forth. And despite his own personal sins, which he committed uh, this, this past weekend and disappointing his followers, um, he, he, is, he is the Lord, whatever he chooses. Like, I played League of Legends when I came home and I played three games of Saber. I was like, okay, this... <laughs> Lord, so saith. So that's that's what you have to do. Well, I, guess, I guess that's what I'll do. So uh, I, I, the floor is yours, Mister Wassenaar. I, I have I have written something. It, it took me a while. I, I really I dug deep into my heart because fake. Really, forgiven is in all of our hearts if we look deep enough. I believe that all of us have a Greek man with the last name Napoleon as part of our uh, as part of our beings. But I was able to to write this, and, and I, I hope that both you and Forgiven uh, appreciate this. For many, losing the final Guest Alliance Challenge of the Year would be a rather devastating defeat. Of course, the greatest thing one can do after suffering a defeat is to look at those who have overcome this type of adversity and learning from their glorious example. Realizing the bitter taste of defeat after such a string of regular season successes has just reminded me of the grit and greatness of the godly Forgiven. <laughs> Given his rough start to the summer split, it is remarkable that Forgiven, the closest thing the EULCS has ever had to the Greek freak, managed to pull off an incredible turnaround for this H2K roster. I cannot overstate the impact Forgiven's return to this roster had on their rise to power as they head into the World Championships. Very rarely... Do we see a late-season transfer adapt so quickly and effortlessly to his team's style of play to allow them to succeed? Even the doubters waiting anxiously for the moment his fiery, competitive nature backfired against his teammates. He persevered and proved himself on the biggest stage possible. Not even the likes of On or Deft were able to match his incredible mechanical prowess. I could only watch in awe as he demolished all those who stood in his way. Seriously, given Vander's weakness in this tournament, there can be no doubt of Forgiven's greatness when he was able to excel so effortlessly against some of the world's best bot lanes. All of the experts who ever doubted his insane mechanical prowess must now look at his journey from not even playing the game in July to being a world-class player in October with reverence and respect. 
for all the critiques he has received over the years, Forgiven has powered through it like a Greek cavalry rush through the Persian armies that dared to get in their way. Reciting every one, single one of the praises Forgiven so rightfully deserves would be an endless stream of foes vanquished under his boot, much like his namesake Napoleon. All of the questions we have had concerning Forgiven over the years have been resolved with a third-place finish on the world stage, having succeeded both as an individual and as a team player. Understand that this speech about the greatest AD carry in Europe and perhaps the entire West comes Hallelujah. entirely from the passion that has filled my heart after watching him in this tournament. Don't do anything silly like read the first letter of each sentence looking for a secret message. <laughs> Now you have to send me this so I can. Oh, don't worry. I'm 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 copying the link to the tweet and I'm putting it in the chat right now. We'll see who figures it out first. Oh my god, that was that was pretty. I'm, I'm retweeting it from all the accounts now. I have to <laughs> I have to read this. I have to read this. Yeah, please. Let's let's see who gets it first. Chat, I'm t I'm counting on you. Oh uh, yes, they're so moved by this this speech. I was I was inspired truly. Uh, it came from the heart. At the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> I have never been more proud of being an asshole in my entire life. I was say that it was little. It was little like on the nose at the beginning about the early stuff. I, uh, <laughs> technically, technically you, you followed through on, I did. I uh, fulfilled, bargain, but I fulfilled the Lord sees all and he is disappointed in your continued heresy. <laughs> so you have not been forgiven by the church of forgiving, You're not allowed onto its sacred holy sites, which include the bot lane Look. forever. You shall, uh, you shall be cursed walk a lonely life and anytime you do set foot onto the bot lane you and your kin and your kin's kin will be cursed to a a life of 2v4 well so saith the lord so saith the lord oh man i uh i i you know i'm i, I think that's my most proud accomplishment um both I, whichever way you take it i uh i spent a lot of time on it i feel I like have I, that was for, for the record. Um, yeah. I uh, yeah. I am going to absolutely um, link that in the podcast description as well as the YouTube description for this. Uh, you will see that there is a secret message. I'm not going to spoil it. You can figure it out for yourselves at home. But uh, you know, I, I think I think Chad has reacted appropriately on both sides. Oh my god! I, uh, I that was. Look, it is one of those things where I, I basically I figure I had to figure out what my secret message would be first, and then I, I thought it was going to be something about like Sivir. <laughs> I was like, oh god, this is going to be something about playing Sivir three times. That was that was one way to do it. Uh, this is I this allows me to go full heretic, um, which yeah, is you went you went full heresy. But you know what? That's okay well, because you know who I would never forsake our our wonderful sponsors over at Slingshot Esports. Who have allowed us to do these these streams and actually get paid that that sweet sweet esports money? Uh, they do so much great content over there. We got to meet Colin, as I said earlier. 
uh, who was doing interviews for them. I got to meet Andrew Kim. Both of them, awesome people. They do great content, League of Legends and otherwise. You know, Joe and Vince have been, you know, have been great guys throughout this entire time. This is truly the uh, the product of you know of being able to have the freedom to do streams like this, and we appreciate it. We love what they do. We highly recommend you guys go check out the site. Uh, also, quick shout out to Unicorn. We can't do a Guest Alliance challenge if their site doesn't exist and give us increasingly puzzling but also really fun to discuss gambling lines every week. So I uh, I absolutely um, you know. <laughs> I absolutely appreciate them. I'm laughing because I'm being burned in the flames uh, on the on the side there. I appreciate that. Um, I it, look. I, I have been damned. You're in a the ginger, church though. That's the and, only problem. And look, it's fine. I will will accept it for what it is. Um, you guys at home who are listening uh, podcast, please do check out the Twit Longer. I, I spent a lot of time and energy on that. I think you'll really enjoy it. Um, I uh, you can always follow us. Uh, soundcloud.com slash esports rough drafts or on iTunes if you search rough drafts under the podcast section if you enjoy the audio only uh, if you uh, like the videos if you go to youtube.com search rough drafts podcast we are so 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 close to being able to have our own URL we just need a few more subscribers here and there uh, those of you who are listening at home you want to help the podcast out best thing you could do is just tell your friends about it you enjoy it you're clearly listening to it you made it through two hours of it so you clearly enjoyed it. So please Apparently. do, uh, you know, let people know because, you know, this is a product that we love making for you guys. And we do it because we love giving the people what they want. Uh, meanwhile, you know, of course, if you like the idea of being a part of the stream and getting to uh, see my crimes against the Church of God given, uh, banished, you know, <laughs> like live, uh, which I highly recommend, <laughs> uh, follow us, twitch.tv slash podcast. And of course, you can always... Follow Walter and I on social media. Uh, I am at Redshirt King. Walter, where can the nice people at home find you? You guys, you guys can find me at Sadie's underscore LOL. I think I, I think I'm gonna live tweet that music stream. That, like, I saw that because someone was like, "Wait, did, who, who said that Zed was like performing at Worlds?" Like, oh, it's in the article about it. So I went and read it. And I was like, oh, cool. They're doing, yeah, a live episode of PTL. Okay, yeah, they're doing this. They're doing some cosplay thing. And then it's like, the music of League of Legends is performed by the Hollywood like Philharmonic Orchestra. I'm like, ooh, that sounds fun. That tells you I'm an old person because I don't care about the cosplay. I care about the, symph- the symphonic orchestra playing League of Legends music. So I'm kind of a weirdo. But yeah, at C80s uh, underscore LOL. Yeah. yeah, and we'll do, you know, we'll be live tweeting. I'm at Redshirt King, by the way. Um, I think I might have said that already. Whatever. I duplicated it. I don't care. Uh, at Rough Drafts Pod is where we do our live tweeting. We will live tweet these finals. It'll be the last live tweeting we do for a while because I am going to Seattle. I am going to move there permanently. This is not a vacation. This is me actually going out and trying to find some full-time work and, and make, uh, make a life and, and a name for myself wherever I'm going. So... You know, uh, wish me luck with that, I suppose. Um, I will still be reachable on Twitter. I am always not that far away from my phone, so don't worry about that. I don't know how the podcast is going to work. Maybe we'll record right after Worlds if it's quick enough. Otherwise, maybe Walter has to find a guest. I'm not sure. We'll <laughs> figure that out. At Rough Drafts Pod is where we'll give you the, uh, you know, all the news about that. Yeah. Um, it'll, be, uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, as for the future of the podcast, time will tell about that as well. 
Um, it's going to be different for sure, but I think there are some cool projects being lined up as we wrap up this whole world's scene. And, uh, and it's been wonderful doing all these shows with you guys. Um, I, I, I know I definitely want to do something around the uh, – we talked about it way, way back at the beginning, the NA Scouting Grounds. I know I want to, I want to try and do something with that. So uh, Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll probably be on a, a little hiatus for a little bit, but uh, we'll still be around. We'll still be around. It's the off-season. Like, there's not much to talk about in the off-season except, uh, except like – roster moves and even then it's yeah. a lot of speculation so and the problem is roster moves when you get them do them one at a time um you just end up getting to the point where you're outdated as soon as the podcast comes out because something yeah. crazy's happened and you're just constantly chasing news i'm sure we'll do our team by team previews that'll happen we always do those but yeah. we're gonna move on to the q a so uh thank you guys so much for listening uh chat go ahead and get your questions ready and until next time goodbye internet